And that's the only way we would be able to get him on the show, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Colton Williams. Before we get into that more, this is the NAI Ball Podcast, and it is brought to you by Silverback Sports. Silverback Sports is the official sponsor of the NAI Ball Podcast, the Alpha in Arm Care and Training Essentials, premium and durable materials for individual and team use, always available at ShopSilverback.com. That's ShopSilverback.com. Visit them at ShopSilverback on Twitter. Be sure to unlock the Silverback in you. Before we get going, I want to give a a great shout to our sponsor, Silverback Sports. It's an NAI-owned company, owned by NAI coaches, and they do an amazing job in supporting the NAI Ball Podcast. So a thank you to everyone over at Silverback Sports and everything they do not just, you know, for us, I mean, they've, they've done some incredible things for me in donating products so I can give back to local high schools who are underfunded here in South Texas. We definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate them. As always, I am your host, Robbie Gutierrez at Rob G1063. Joining me as always, all the way from Georgia, the man himself, the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody butler cody baby what's going on just trying to stay safe out there and make the best of the situation hey i absolutely feel you there i am currently on day number five of the quarantine life but we have a first on this show we have a first you heard him in the intro it was the only way that we could get him on the reigning nai pitcher of the year all the way from the houston area but wearing the usao jersey Mr. Colton Williams. Colton, man, how's it going today? Thank you for joining us and being our first ever third co-host on the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for letting me do the intro, by the way. I know the first time I heard it, I uh, I knew that I, I wanted to do it one day. You told me something kind of cool. You said that that a USAO, y'all kind of do that quite a bit. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be, you know, sitting on the bus or in the car or something, and, and I'll kind of just you know, out of nowhere, just kind of go, and we are live. I'll just go through the whole thing and kind of just lightens the mood if everybody's bored a little bit, you know, just a little icebreaker. Uh, well, you know what, that that to me, that's pretty cool. I'm I'm definitely uh, honored for that, and uh, that that's that's pretty cool that, y'all, that you do that uh, with USAO. So if there's anybody else out there that does that, I know uh, Mendoza over at SEU has sent me a video of him doing it before. Uh, as well as uh, some SEU baseball players have sent it to me before, uh, courtesy of Dan Valerio. So anybody out there does that, you know, you want to send it to us, go ahead. We'll put you on, on you know, my story or something like that. Can't can't guarantee you the NAI ball kingdom. I mean, that that's Cody's domain, the social media genius. Cody, man, we've got a packed show this week. We're going to interview Mr. Colton Williams here in a minute but also right now we're going to go over the current state of nai baseball we're also going to talk stat leaders and then you know what maybe until draft time cody this might be our final podcast 
because there's not a lot of NAI baseball going on right now. Before we get rolling, just give me some quick thoughts on the current state of NAI baseball. We're canceled. The NAI has shut us down for the season. The season is over. One of the things that's interesting is they have given blanket eligibility across the board. Every single player gets two semesters back worth of eligibility. Now, granted, there's a lot of guys that aren't going to be able to come back from this. There's guys who are ready to move on with their lives. That's something that we were talking about in our COVID-19 episode about what's going on, what can happen in the state of NAI baseball. I still, there's still so many problems that it can cause across the board for coaches as far as scholarship situation, recruiting situation, how many players are going to be in school next year? Where are we going to put these guys? You know, can we carry a roster of 45 sometimes? It's going to be a lot of problems coming up for administrations and for coaching staffs across the board. But at the same time, Cody, I mean, there's a lot of good that comes from it. And the NAI pretty much jumping right out of the gate and getting this done before the NCAA even did it. Big time. I think it had to be done. When you bang a season out in the middle of the March, you have to give everyone their year back. It's not fair to the seniors. It's really not fair to anyone. You know, everyone deserved to have their year back. Uh, it's not right that a junior season ended like that. He deserves four years of eligibility, too. I think they did the right thing. They did it early. They needed to. Looking back on it now, we're two weeks out. So, obviously, the NEIA made the right decision. Uh, you know, we had to stop playing. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So, I'm glad they got on top of it early. We got it out, and everyone gets eligibility back next year. Colton, I wanted to ask you about this because you're one of those guys that everything's kind of in limbo with. You know, you're, there's an opportunity to move up on, onto the next level. There's an opportunity to come back if you can. At the same time, there's there's so much that goes into this thought process of what do I do? I mean, the, the Major League Baseball draft is still up in the air. We've seen some outlets like Baseball America reporting that there's consideration of not having the draft or international signing period this year in order to save money. There's there's just a lot of different things that can happen. Of course, the international signing period starts on July 2nd. The MLB draft typically held in June. A lot that can happen this year. So I kind of wanted your thoughts on the outcome of, of everything. Um, In my position, honestly, I'm kind of in, I feel like a win-win. Um, I can... I have the opportunity to go on to the next level if that's, you know, what's going to happen this year. Um, if not, you know, I get to go back and be a drover and I get to go keep doing what I've been doing for the past year and a half, two years. Well, I, I guess that really kind of answers a big question that, that Cody and I had is if there's, you know, not a current opportunity at the next level for you, you would go back to, to USAO? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I love, you know, the program. I love Coach Ross and everybody that's there. Absolutely. Shout out to Mike Ross. Great guy. Uh, I've got my Drover's cap here at the house that he gave me when I saw y'all out in San Antonio. Unfortunately, I've, I've watched y'all's worst game of the season, um, you know, in, in what was a really tough loss to, to Our Lady of the Lake. You end up winning the series anyway, though, two games uh, to one. But we will keep moving here. Let's talk about some of the individual leaders in the NAI right now. Starting off with batting average, a minimum of 50 at-bats in the season. Trinity Christian, designated hitter, Michael Morales, is hitting 560 and 50 at-bats. He is the national leader. We got to give a shout as well to Evangel center fielder Patrick Gall, hitting 522 and 69 at-bats. Southeastern left fielder Zach Cornell, a former 
guest on this show, is hitting 519 in 108 at-bats. As well as Indiana Southeast shortstop Dante DeCello hitting 519 in 52 at-bats. And then Wayland center fielder Luis Vargas, who has been an Instagram star for us this year, hitting 495 in 103 at-bats. Also got to give a shout-out to Downs Lucas White, who hit 571 in 35 at-bats. Cody, give me some thoughts real quick. You look at a guy like Zach Cornell. We projected him to be the player of the year. He was certainly on his way. Patrick Gall, you're going to hear his name a lot. Under the radar for a team of Angel, I would have liked to see what his numbers finished as because uh, Evangel's not a team we talk about a lot on here, but he definitely had some eye-popping statistics this season. Evangel was one of those teams, Cody, that kind of jumped up and and surprised, I mean, surprised myself in the season in what they were going to be and who they were, as well as, you know, just kind of the way they started the year. I wasn't expecting them to be really as in it as they were. When you look at the HAAC I mean, they were basically sitting in fourth at six and two in conference, 13 and seven overall. The only teams that were above them, Central Methodist, who we obviously know is a very good ball club, Mount Mercy, who was five and one to start HAAC play, which was kind of a surprise in a lot of ways to start the year. And then Mid American Nazarene at 15 six, they were nine and two in conference play. And then right there is Evangel. So definitely, Evangel is one of those teams that kind of surprised me in how their season started. Moving on here into the hits per game category, and the leader for that around the nation is Southeastern University left fielder Zach Cornell at 2.07 hits per game. Then Kaiser third baseman Tim Bouchard at 1.92 hits per game. Fisher first baseman Mitchell Lunholm at 1.89. Bethel left fielder Nick Proto at 1.84. And then once again, we were just talking about Evangel. Evangel center fielder Patrick Gall at 1.80. Yeah, a lot of impressive names on this list. I want to give a shout-out to Nick Proto. That dude's been raking this season. He's given us some great content as well. He's hitting 486 this year. He's got five bombs, 22 RBIs. He hit 10 home runs last year, hitting 360. So uh, he's just stepped his game up in 2020, and he's really delivered as a big-time bat for Bethel. Zach Cornell is a name that I feel like is going to pop up in a lot of these lists offensively, Cody. And like you said, that was our pick in Baseball America when we wrote the article for player of the year. Our pick for pitcher of the year is, was on air with us right now in Colton Williams. Zach Cornell, like you said, was well on his way. And it's a shame that this season had to end. Obviously, we have to take care of our bodies, have to take care of each other. It's a shame that the season had to end like this and just the kind of the way that it went. I think because Zach Cornell was was on the way to having an incredible year. He's a top five prospect in the NAI as far as what we had out originally. We had planned to put out a midseason list. You know, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll put a list together here shortly. You know, in a few days. But he's a guy that that is going to garner a lot of attention because of the numbers that he's putting up. So, shout out to Zach Cornell. Obviously, got to give a shout out to. Kaiser guy in Tim Bouchard and the Nick Proto has been absolutely fantastic this year as well. When we move on here to runs scored, Wayland Baptist center fielder Luis Vargas leads the nation with 49 runs scored on the season. Southeastern left fielder Zach Cornell, there he is again with 43 runs scored. Oklahoma City right fielder Tyler Williams, 40 runs scored. Southeastern University third baseman Pedro Castellanos with 40 as well. Lions center fielder Jake Mishner with 38, and then McPherson, right fielder Kyle Lux, with 38 runs. 
Kyle Lux has been a dude this year. I mean, he has 18 home runs on the season. He's second in the country. Uh, he's one of the top leaders in home runs, RBIs, runs. He's just been an absolute dude. Uh, that McPherson offense has been unreal this season. So I think his name just jumps off the page to me right now because I think he's a guy that would be competing for National Player of the Year as well. Moving on here to the home run category. The long ball always catches the attention of the nation, and nobody this season was better so far in the year than Wayland Baptist center fielder Luis Vargas hit 20. Cody, before we get into the rest of this list, or actually when we get done with this list, I really want to talk about the opportunity that he would have had to break the all-time NAI record of 35, which was set by Bo Mills at LC State. But Luis Vargas led the nation with 20. McPherson's right fielder, Kyle Lux, once again, 18 home runs on the season. Oklahoma City right fielder, Tyler Williams, had 13. Central Baptist first baseman, Griffith Olin, had 13. Oklahoma Wesleyan first baseman, Cody Muncy, with 12. Oklahoma City center fielder, Cross Thacker, big-time name there for OCU, had 12. And then Wayland Baptist first baseman, Darwin Santos, had 12 as well. So this is pretty much a dominant Sooner Athletic Conference list here. Yeah, some big-time names on the list. Always talk about the freshman Griffith Olin. I mean, the freshman season coming out here hitting 13 bombs already. Talk about the numbers he was going to put up for Central Baptist. Uh, Cody Muncy, Oklahoma Wesleyan, had a, really, they had a tough season. But uh, Cody Muncy delivered. He's had 12 home runs this year. He's hitting north of 400. He's really been their good bat. And uh, Tyler Williams, no one's surprised to see him do what he did again this year. 13 home runs so far. He was on his way to hitting 20 again. Cody, I want your opinion on this. The record in the NAI, I had it wrong earlier. It's 38 home runs. Bo Mills hit 38. So he's 18 away. I thought he was 15. He's 18 away from breaking the all-time record in the NAI. It was still March. I mean, 18 home runs is a lot when he had 20 so far in the year. Even tougher as you go deeper into the year, knowing that people aren't going to pitch to you. What were you know? What are your opinion? What's your opinion on that? Does he break the record? Does he have an, at least an opportunity, or does he get walked another forty times? Well, the thing that really helps him is you look at guys like Brendan Faust and Darwin Santos in his lineup. So he's got a lot of good cushion, you know, really supporting him. But this kind of reminds me of last year. Aaron Shackelford for the Masters. He had thirty six home runs, but like you said, at the end of the season, no one was pitching to him. Like Aaron Shackelford walked last year 44 times. So, I mean, just no one really wanted to pitch to the guy. And I think that's probably what's going to end up happening to Vargas eventually. And the later season you go, you talk about the games, it'd be the conference tournament, the opening round, level of competition is going to step up. So I think it would be interesting. He hasn't faced our boy Colton Williams yet. So I don't know if I would give him – he would have to double his performance. He's already played about 30 games. I don't think so. I don't think you'd break the record. But I think he was going to set a ridiculous pace. And I think he was a shoe in to win the national player of the year. This national player of the year race, I mean, we had we would have had such a hard time picking a national player of the year because there were so many guys that started the season great. Just like pitching Cody, so many guys on the mound that that have had incredible seasons. We've got one here with us in in Colton Williams. We've got, you know, another in Munch over at Concordia, Nebraska. Obviously, your guy Peck over at Georgia Gwinnett is having an incredible year. There's just so many dudes from around the country that are having incredible years. I think it really would have been a hard choice for us to choose a national player of the year and a national pitcher of the year. Moving on here to runs batted in. Luis Vargas once again on a list here. He leads the nation with 55. 
And then right behind him, McPherson right fielder Kyle Lux, 54 runs batted in. Oklahoma City center fielder Cross Factor had 46. SEU left fielder Zach Cornell had 44. And then the freshman out of Central Baptist, the first baseman Griffith Olin, had 42. Quite the list of names there as long as well, Cody. It's like a who's who of the NAI. Yeah, no kidding. Like if we were doing a starting nine, we got it right there with our center fielder Vargas, our right fielder Kyle Lux, and our left fielder Zach Cornell. It really is the who's who looking on that RBI list. They are, to me, those three have been the top three players in the country this season. Let's take a look now at stolen bases. Who are some of the top base stealers in the nation, the guys who are stealing the bases best off of pitchers and catchers from around the country? And we're actually going to start from the bottom here and work our way up. St. Catharines, Baker, Springston, 20 stolen bases on the year. Lindsey Wilson, center fielder, Derek Savala, had 21. LSU Shreveport third baseman Peyton Robertson had 26. Loyola second baseman Brandon Duhon had 34. And then Texas College center fielder Cameron Feltz had 48. Cody, that's an insane number for Cameron Feltz, 48. Yeah, that is absolutely unreal. I mean, think about it. He stopped playing baseball March 14th, and he stopped with 48 stolen bases. Uh, He's stolen 30-plus bases in all three of his previous seasons. Let's take a look here at some of the Best ERAs from around the nation in pitchers. This is the area that I like to look at. Cody, I know you you like the offense. I'm definitely more into the pitching side of things. And ERA, I mean, we have a tie for the nation's best ERA. But Hunter Peck from Georgia Gwinnett, no ERA in 38 innings pitch. Concordia, Nebraska's Jason Munch, no ERA in 26 innings pitch. On with us on the show here today, Colton Williams, third in the nation with a .61 ERA. Our Lady of Lake, Logan Garza, .63 ERA in 43 innings pitch. Bruton Parker, freshman Ben Harris in 36 innings pitch with a .75. And then Central Methodist Kenny Otero, .79 in 34 innings pitch. Cody, you got to watch Hunter Peck quite a bit this season. I mean, he's a pretty special pitcher. Yeah, man. Peck's been as good as you can be this year. He pitched down on the road at Southeastern. When he left the game, they had a one nothing lead. Yeah, he pitched five scoreless there, left with the lead. They ended up losing that. But uh, he's been dominant, man. He pitched against Georgetown. He pitched against Northwestern Ohio. He has some good wins on his resume, and uh, he looked like a true ace. I've been watching Gwinnett for seven years now, and he looked as good as any guy we've ever had. I want to definitely mention Ben Harris, too. Talk about it, 0.75 ERA. This dude's a two-way player, kind of like Kenny Otero's hidden in their lineup as well. Kenny Otero, we read about him in our questionnaire this year uh, as a transfer from Abilene Christian, and he has been as good as advertised. He's a really good hitter for them, and he's been a really good pitcher. So I just think some of this list right here is just really the who's who. And we've been talking about Logan Garza all year. I mean, he's a guy that pitched against USAO, Central Methodist. He's played against Texas Wesleyan. So he's just been dominant against really good competition. Yeah, Hunter Peck's been absolutely incredible. Obviously, we got to give a shout to our guy on with us right now, Colton Williams. Uh, Colton, you you know, ranked third on this list. The only guys that were above you with a .61 ERA are two guys with no ERA. I mean, quite the season that you had. 
what's the expectation for you when you get out there? I mean, knowing that you have such a low ERA, is there just kind of a mindset for you or you just move forward with, with every start? And what, like you said, you know, once the ball's released, it's, it's all kind of up in the air. First, congratulations to Hunter Peck. I've been watching him all year. He's, he's a pretty good kid. Um, he's got some good stuff. Uh, but I'm kind of expecting to go out there and not give up very many runs because, uh, you know, I mean, lower runs, you know, your team's got a better chance. I'm just focusing on not giving up too many. Um, fortunate that I don't give up very many. That's for sure. I mean, you've had a pretty good career in that so far. Opponent batting average. Who are the best players in the nation in the opponent batting average category? Columbia's Chris Wall had a .103 average in 107 at-bats against him. Second in the nation, actually tied with him, is Jason Munch. Excuse me, .103 average in 83 at-bats. Jason Munch out of CUNE over in Nebraska. Then Georgia Gwinnett's Hunter Peck with a .109 average in 128 bats against him. LC State's Greg Blackman was holding hitters to a 111 average in 72 at-bats. And then Central Methodist Nick Merkel holding hitters to a 132 average in 91 at-bats. Cody, man, give me some thoughts real quick. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the who's who of the pitching. Chris Wall was having a special season, man. It sucks it had to come short for him because he was truly being just dominant. I mean, he's a guy that had 69 strikeouts already in like 30 innings. I mean, it's really just insane. Uh, Greg Blackman, the top reliever for LC State, you know, he didn't get the love he deserved, but he would have over time. Uh, he was one of their best arms and one of the best bullpen guys in the country. Had a lot of innings out of the bullpen. You know, he was asked to do a lot, and he did really well. And then, like you said, Jason Munch, the guy, one hitter, no hitter, does it all. Let's crown a strikeout champion right here, right now. And our strikeout champion in the nation is Gabriel Sequeria, who struck out 82 hitters in 47 innings pitch. Then Columbia's Chris Wall, a former guest of this show, 69 strikeouts in 31 innings pitch. Waylon Baptist, LJ Diaz struck out 65 and 43 innings pitch. Logan Garza struck out 63 in 43 innings pitch. Westmont's Corey Dawson struck out 63 in 43 in a third innings pitch. And then Clark's Jacob Kerman struck out 61 in 40 innings pitch. Yeah, Securia has been a dog this year. He's just been sensational. He's a D1 transfer from Sam Houston State, and he's been as advertised. He confirmed it for me when he went on the road to Oklahoma City. They got that win. He dominated that lineup, struck out nine. Uh, he's a big-time pitcher, man. When you have 82 strikeouts and 47 innings, you got some stuff. And he's just really delivered all year. Uh, for LJ Diaz, Waylon Baptist, man, when he throws strikes, he's as good as anyone in the country. He's a guy sitting there throwing 96 miles an hour without a starter. And uh, he's big-time, 65 strikeouts. So he's been really good this year. And he was a guy that could really take him into an opening round and win a game. And finally, got to give love to the bullpen guys, the back-end guys, the guys who close out the games. And really, Cody, kind of a surprise here in saves. Gwinnett relief pitcher Alex Cook has nine saves and no ERA. He's a guy that I'll let you talk about in a little bit that was absolutely incredible this season. He's a guy that's jumped out and surprised you and me both. And then Our Lady Lake relief pitcher Jose Diaz had eight saves, a .85 ERA, and he hit four. 05 on the season as a two-way player. That's a guy that I got to watch this year. Had a good low 90s fastball. Really surprised me off the mound. Weber relief pitcher Garrig Blackman had eight saves. 
to tie for second in a 2.78 ERA. Mount Marty relief pitcher Nick Iosi had seven saves in a 2.22 ERA across the board. And then Texas A&M University Texarkana relief pitcher Mike Edetta had six saves in a 2.19 ERA. Cody, Alex Cook has been incredible. He's just a freshman. Yeah, I mean, he's a local kid. Local kid straight out of high school. Came from Appalachia High School right down the road from Gwinnett. And uh, he's hitting 92, 93 every single time out. Uh, he's only given up one hit this year. He's got a save over Tennessee Wesleyan, Southeastern. Got a save over Reinhardt. I mean, this guy has three ranked saves, uh, nine on the year. Like I said, one hit. Striking out two out of three every single time he goes out there. He's just been sensational, man. I've been super impressed with him. And then, like you want to mention, I want to mention Jose Diaz, too. That kid's really good, man. He could really pitch and he could really hit. And uh, I'm excited to see him again next year because he's a really good returning player. Yeah, I was basically told that, you know, he doesn't pitch full time because he's just that good defensively uh, playing in the outfield for them. I mean, obviously, offensively, he's done his part this year hitting 405, but just been an absolutely incredible season for Jose Diaz. He's one of the guys on this list that I got to watch this year and really was impressive in a win over USAO. Cody, man, let's move on to some team stats, some of the best teams around the nation. First, standings. Southeastern University finishes the season at 26-1. and USAO finishes the season at 18-1. and Indiana Southeast finishes the year 18-1. and Georgia Gwinnett will finish the year 23-2. and Cumberland's finishes 22-3. and LSU Shreveport, 22-4. and what of that group, Cody, kind of stands out the most to you? I know, you know, we didn't get to watch USAO as much or Indiana Southeast, but really coming into the season, we kind of knew these teams would be really good. Yeah, we knew on paper a lot of these teams were going to be really good. Cumberland's obviously having a great start. I didn't know they were going to win 22 games early, and that was a really impressive team. I got to see them in person. And then LSU Shreveport, man, I uh, love what Coach Brad Neffendorf's doing over there. Obviously came in, had some great talent to work with right away, and 22-4. Uh, and four, they're ranked number six in the country, their highest ranking in a long time. And, uh, yeah, I think there's a really big future ahead for that program. I'm really high on LSU Shreveport. Batting average-wise, Southeastern led the nation with 388 in 27 games. McPherson hit 376 in 25. Indiana Southeast, 362 in 19. Kaiser, 350 in 26. And then Vanguard hit 348 in 27 games. Yeah, I mean, this Southeastern team, you got to go back to like some of those, you know, old Faulkner teams, maybe 2016 LC State. Uh, they had JJ Robinson. They were just smoking the ball. This Southeastern team was the best offensive team in the country. And uh, they might have been the best offensive team in the last few years. They were simply loaded. Uh, I think it's a shame that this team's not going to get a chance to play in Lewiston because they were certainly on their way. And th- this was a dominant baseball team. Uh, offensively, they were just incredible. When you hit 390 as a team, good luck. Run scored per game, McPherson was actually the top team in the nation, edging out Southeastern. So McPherson with 11.4 runs per game, SEU averaging 11.3, Wayland Baptist 10.3, Indiana Southeast 10 runs per game, and then OCU 9.4. Are clearly the top five teams in the country. You see them in the same categories, Uh, McPherson, Wayland Baptist, and Southeastern. I mean, those teams can rate. Definitely showed it this year. Over and over again, when we talk about home runs per game, SEU, I mean, just a testament to how great their offense was and a shame that the season got cut short. But SEU averaging 2.85 home runs per game. Wayland Baptist with 2.17 home runs per game. 
Oklahoma City with 1.96, McPherson with 1.84, and Central Methodist with 1.57. You can watch Zach Cornell or look at a guy, you go and watch Luis Vargas at Wayland Baptist. I mean, dude, count me in. Tyler Williams at Oklahoma City, Kyle Lux at McPherson. These are superstars on this team, man. Stolen bases per game. Loyola averaged 4.62 per game. Texas College averaging 4.24. Georgia Gwinnett, 3.72. Concordia Ann Arbor with 3.61. And then LSU Shreveport with 3.58. So, Cody, those were the fastest teams in the nation. Yeah, I mean, you look at Texas College, Georgia Gwinnett, LSU Shreveport. These are three teams you're going to see every single year. They run all the time. Loyola this year coming on super strong. Look at the newcomer, Brandon Dwan, stole as many bases he did. So I just think that he's been incredible and Loyola's been running at will. Cody, I got three pitching categories here for the team stats to go over with you. Earn run average, USAO, the number one team in the nation in earn run average. Consistently, we say that is the best non-D1 staff in the nation across just about any division right now and a a staff that would compete with guys at a high level really at the division one level that you know you know these guys can compete we've got one on with us right now in colton williams but science and arts with a 1.89 staff era for the season in 19 games played second in the nation was asbury with a 2.47 era freed hardeman had a 2.5 ERA, Westmont 2.93, Loyola 2.94, and then Georgia Gwinnett with a 2.96 staff ERA. Some really impressive numbers there. And that kind of gets coupled in with Cody. Once again, when we look at opponent batting average, we see Science and Arts again with a 169 opponent batting average. Freed Hardman again showing up on that list with a 191. Then you see Central Methodist third in the nation with a 0.205 average southeastern with a 0.208 average and then georgia gwinnett once again fifth spot in that list with a 2.12 so a lot of the same teams over and over again in these pitching categories cody that have those low eras well i think an interesting stat you can tell right away well free hardeman and science and hearts you know what's the thing about them they return their one two and three these are teams that brought back the pitchers they had to go to Lewis in last year. So it's no surprise to us that they're dominating pitching. I mean, these are teams we thought would be up there. Uh, I think a big surprise would be Asbury. Really impressed with them. You look at their starters, Alec Lush and Will McDonald, two of the better starters in the River States. Uh, it's been kind of eye-popping. Asbury has a couple wins over Georgetown. They won the home-and-home in that series. So I think Asbury's a team that really stood out to me. I got to give a shout-out to my former head coach, Jeremy Kennedy, over at Loyola, who's done some great things with them there. And unfortunately, that season cut short, or they definitely would have surpassed some win marks from the year before. Strikeouts per game, the University of British Columbia, Canada's team, the True North, leads the nation with 10.6 Ks per game. Then it's Concordia, Nebraska, with 10.52 chairs thrown per game. Columbia, with 10.48 strikeouts per game. Science and Arts, 10.26. And Campbellsville with 9.71. Cody, I think Campbellsville's the interesting team on this list. Yeah, I mean, I think if they had more run support offensively, they're a team that would be in the top 10 of the country every year. They can really pitch it. They always have. Kind of like British Columbia. They're very similar. British Columbia is a team that always can pitch. Ever since I first saw them back in 2016 in person, I knew that team could pitch. And uh, they invested it. They recruit well, and they can really strike guys out. Uh, Concordia, Nebraska, you look at Jason Munch and Nick Little, they have two of the top arms in the G-Pack, so I'm not surprised to see them up there. 
Colton, you're the guy. You're our first third co-host ever. And so we're going to hit you with the interview right now. So for those of you who don't know Colton Williams, and you really should, I mean, Cody, this is the reigning NAI baseball pitcher of the year out of the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma in Chickasha, Oklahoma. And you don't, we don't just let anybody come on the show and be the third co-host. Colton currently in his career is 21 and 0. He has a career ERA of 1.17. He struck out 172 in 138 innings pitch. That's in his career, not, I mean, just absolutely incredible numbers at USAO. Cody, I'll let you see questions first here for Colton. You know, is there a moment that you've seen Colton that kind of stands out to you in his career? Well, I think anytime I'm watching him pitch, just look at Lewiston last year. I pitched 15 innings, only gave up four runs against the Lewis Clark State and Tennessee Wesleyan. And you do that at Harris Field in that park. That's super impressive. Yeah, so I just think watching him dominate Lewis Clark, you know, striking out over a dozen and just going out there and really carving them up, man, on their home field in front of a packed crowd. That was just a big-time environment, and that was a big-time moment. So, Colton, tell me about that. Let's let's start back then at last year. You're facing LC at Harris Field in Lewiston, Idaho. I mean, the emotions are high as somebody who's played LC in Lewiston, Idaho in an elimination game at the World Series. That's a tough environment. Uh, to play them on opening night or Memorial Day, also very tough. What were the emotions like for you? What was the whole game like for you? Walk us through that process. Um, actually, I uh, my routine before every game typically is uh, I throw up about 10 minutes before the first pitch is thrown. Uh, so <laughs> for the game against Lewis and Clark, we were uh, I was trying to fight it back. I didn't want to throw up in front of everybody. I was warming up in the bullpen, and they decided to do the uh, national anthem. So we stayed in the bullpen for it, and I get about halfway through it, and I can't hold it back anymore. And I have to leave the leave the line a little early and run under the bleachers, under the ivory, and blow chunks right before I ran out there to pitch. So, yeah, I mean, the nerves were there for sure, uh, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Take me through that that game and kind of what it was like for you to win that ball game and what it was like for you to to just go through that and and get that W. I mean, I've been there when in that situation playing that team and it is definitely something that that you don't one you don't ever forget and then two, I mean, like you said, the nerves are there. And for yourself, that's that's a tough one. I mean, this is a team that in a game, you went ahead and went nine innings, nine innings against Lewis Clark State. What was it like to get that win? Just kind of take me through the entire emotion for the, for the team after the game. Well, I mean, my, my favorite clip from that whole game is, you know, when I strike out the last batter and I come off I'm hyped up and we're all celebrating together um it was it's hard to explain the feeling it's like you know we were we were the top dogs that night like we beat you know sure they get an auto bid and all that crap or whatever but you know they always play good in the postseason at their home field you know it was something something cool they had a good crowd that day and um you know I think by like the sixth inning I think it was just the other teams that were in the tournament that were uh were even still in the stands all the other fans had kind of just left. 
that was really a dominant performance. And like you talked about Lewis Clark State, you know, coming to play. The night before they opened up, y'all had a bye the first night. The night before they played Freed Hardeman, a really good pitcher. Uh, Alex Huey's been dominant all season. And Lewis Clark State beats him around. He doesn't even get out of the first inning. I mean, they put a six spot on that. So you knew going into it, Lewis Clark State playing a night game in their field. They are super hyped up. And offensively, you know, they had a pretty good club. Um, it's not one of their greatest teams, but they definitely were good enough to beat anyone, as you saw what they did to Freed Hardeman. Yeah, and, I, and like you said, the ninth inning, I mean, you went nine innings at them in the game with a strikeout. Just a really special performance. And I know it had to feel good. And obviously, you were super pumped up about it. And y'all were the kings of the night. Like you said, there's no games on Sunday. So that was the last game of the weekend. That was big time. So, Colton, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. Sorry, I totally agree with Cody there. Uh, what was like the post game like for you? Like, did, did Mike take you to get something to eat that was good, or did you just hang out with the guys after? Uh, actually, post game, I. We we shook it up. We all you know got our stuff together. Um, I got a quick post game interview, and then I immediately got hit with a drug test right after the game. Um, <laughs> so so I had to leave. I had to leave my team behind. Two other guys on the team came came with us, and uh, so yeah, we it, it took a little while too. So we we ended up being some of the last guys back to the hotel and getting our food and all that stuff. It kind of, but it was okay. I wasn't I wasn't worried about it. Yeah, they actually drug tested uh, after everyone's first game they played. And because y'all didn't play Friday, uh, y'all played Saturday. After everyone's first game, they actually drug tested a, a couple of players from every team. So, like, they weren't just singling out USAO. Learned something new every day. Uh, I didn't even know that, Cody. I know that's something that you and I had kind of talked about recently. Uh, but I did not know that till recently that the NAI had done that. I have to ask Colton, there's a certain story that appeared on Twitter the other day about you that came up from when you were at Galveston. Uh, We hear you've got a little bit of a a cookie stealing habit. At least that's what they made it sound like on on Twitter. Why don't you tell the world about the uh, cookie incident over at Galveston College? Uh, Yeah, to everybody out there, just keep the chocolate chip cookies out of my reach because they'll be gone before you can blink. Um, But with the what happened at Galveston? We we went into the uh, into the cafeteria, and they have like this little island in the middle of the calf room, and it's a pretty small room. So in the middle, they have oranges, fruits, ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, napkins, all different types of hot sauces, and they have cookies all right there too. And not like none of the other stuff costs money. There was no price tag on anything. So me and like three or four other guys on the team grabbed some cookies one day and we walked out ate everything was normal we went to practice that day and our coach our head coach of the team comes up meets us at the backstop before we can even get to the field we just walked through the gate he said um he said uh you two y'all can turn around and go back and we were just kind of like like confused at first we said what what's what's going on and i walked up to the coach and i said what's what happened and he said he said what do you mean what happened and I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, I did, I must have done something pretty bad for this. Like, he was all serious and stuff. He's like, you stole cookies out of the cafeteria, didn't you? And I said, stole them? He said, don't try to lie. He said, we have you on video, all this stuff. I said, wow, okay, all right. Well, uh, so I just left, came back um, to meet with them, and they said, you're suspended indefinitely, and you have to write a, uh apology letter to the to the cafeteria staff. And I thought that it was a bunch of bull crap 
So, so I'm suspended for like two weeks or something like that. And I'm missing starts. I'm not allowed to come to the field. And I came to the field for one of the games. I just rode my bike all the way there. It was like a two mile ride on my bike. And I came and sat on the, or I stood on the back left field fence and was watching the game. And, uh, and my, like some of the players saw me and they were laughing and stuff. And anyway, so I had to go and write the, the letter for him and I just made it I made it as sarcastic as I could I mean just just so passive aggressive and sarcastic and just I don't know I, I was I was kind of mean about it but it it was blown way out of proportion but I mean the the best part was I uh Ross was recruiting me during all that and he called me one day and I'm sitting at my sitting in my house and I'm just kind of like mad and just like ready to pretty much leave Galveston and all this. And he calls me and he says, well, uh, I talked to Lawman and that's our pitching coach. And he said, he said, I heard you were stealing some cookies. And I said, I, um, I didn't steal cookies. I thought they were free. And he said, well, so if you come to USAO, he said, you can have all the cookies that you want. And I just kind of, we, we laughed for a minute and, and I said, you know, that's too good of an offer to pass up. And, uh, about a week later, I think I committed to, to USAO. Well, man, it's definitely been worth it. So you sent us the letter. I got to read a line of the letter, man. I just love it. You said, <laughs> I am not the cookie monster that I have been portrayed as. While my actions may have been sugar-free, my intentions were <laughs> not. That is incredible. That is my favorite NAI story of all time. <laughs> yeah, I uh, once, they, once they told me that I had to write that letter, I I went to the school library and I went in there and I had one other buddy in there with me who's watching me type it. And that was the that was the first draft. I typed it up in about 10 minutes and I had it printed out ready to go. And I taped it to the coach's door and I walked back and I just I waited for somebody to call me and say, either meet me on the track or you're kicked off the team or something. But they never said anything. I think they were laughing too hard. I mean, you you know, we're talking about cookies, like 99 cent cookies that you know, obviously we, if you've seen the story on, on Twitter, there was, you know, that there was no like price labeled anywhere or anything like that. No sign, but you almost got in a lot of trouble for that. Like they Galveston took that really seriously. Like it was like you had plagiarized something. Yeah, it was, I was like, uh, thought I was about to be, you know, kicked out of the school and stuff. I mean, I, I actually have a video. It's on my it's on my Snapchat memories. I went back today and I and I looked at the video. It's me just nonchalantly walking around the the whole island and kind of just showing everything how it looks. And when you look at it, it's a it's a glass bowl full of cookies that looks like you know it's for, it's complimentary. It's for the taking. And then of course after I get back from my suspension two weeks later, I come into the cafe and they got they got like a I think it was like 75 cents or 85 cents for two cookies. I was, I, I was amazed. I was just, wow. All right. Well, so the cookie monster played a role. You moved on to science and arts. So, I mean, let's talk about a little bit about your, just your two years of science and arts. You're 21 and 0. So you've never lost a game in the NAIA. I find that pretty wild. Like I said, you, and this is a guy that pitched against the national champions last year. I don't lose him at six innings to earn. And uh, you know, science and arts got to win that game. So, I guess just talk to us about what your two years have been like here in the NAIA and have you accomplished the goals you set out for yourself? Um, yeah, my, my two years in the NAIA, they've been, they've been great. Um, 
you know, I, I, I compare it a lot to Juco. That's what it reminds me of. Um, it reminds me a lot of Galveston, but that might just be because Coach Ross and Coach Lawman are, you know, best buds. That might just be why they're kind of similar. But, um, you know, the, the competition for the, the, you know, higher, the higher teams, you know, it's same thing you're going to get pretty much anywhere else. Um, I, I like it a lot. Um, I love to compete. I just like going out there and I like playing with all my, with all my brothers on my team. Like what's your favorite game so far as a drover? Definitely think that it's the world series game. Um, if it's, if it's not the, or the Lewis, the Lewis Clark game, um, if it's not the Lewis Clark game, uh, it might be the, the 18 strikeout game against central Christian. Um, that was just, I woke up that morning and I told my roommate I was striking out at least 17 that day. And I came out and everything was just there. It was all spot on. I would have struck out 17 against anybody that day, honestly. How do you, how do you prepare Colton for an upcoming opponent that, that week, knowing that, you know, you're not going to pitch till the weekend. How do you prepare in the regular season for, let's say you're, you're facing OCU or Texas Wesleyan or, you know, a, a, a great case in the Sooner Athletic Conference this year would have been Wayland Baptist. We don't get to watch you face off against Luis Vargas. How do you prepare yeah, for that week one. going into it? Um, so last year, I would go into it. I would uh, lift every night before my start. I'm sorry. In the fall this year, I dislocated my shoulder doing a, uh, a weighted ball throw. So I was, I was honestly pretty questionable if I was even going to be back in time for this regular for the start of the season. Um, so I was rehabbing a lot. Uh, Coach Ross's wife is actually the physical therapist in Chickasha, and she does a really good job. She got my she got my shoulder right. I came back, and I was you know my velo. I was sitting higher than I've ever sat before in my velo, um, and that was really good. And so this year, kind of my process approaching games is to make sure I'm doing the rehab stuff that she has showed me. Um, and I would go to her a lot, and I would get a lot of deep tissue stuff, cupping um scraping you know a lot of things just to break up the lactic acid and the soreness in my arm um that's what i'm that's what i'm big on is just making sure that my arm feels good for my start well man i, I need to know what's in the water out there in chickasha so obviously your two years at usao y'all have not you've not just been the best pitcher you've had the best pitching team you led the country and everything last year strikeouts era opponent batting average this year you lead the country again you got a 189 staff era Talk to us about some of those guys, man. Matt Merrill, Gene Montana. Look at Ricardo Velez. He was shoving out Lewiston last year. That was very memorable for me, too. So I guess just talk about the pitching staff you all have as a team. Uh, so so our guys, our pitching staff, are. I'll start with the rotation. Uh, me, Matt, and Merrill. Or, I mean, me, Matt Merrill, and Gene uh, Montaner. Matt is my, my – Matt's my roommate. He stays with me on campus. And then – Last year, Gene stayed like right across the hall from me. So we were always kind of together last year. And, and you know, this year we're always together too. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we just we just pick each other's brain. Gene, Gene likes to pick your brain until you're just worn out. But <laughs> he's, you know, he, he likes to learn. And um, Ricardo, Ricardo is just, he's a dude. He's super athletic. Uh, he can throw a baseball probably 450 feet and uh that's like edgar cuevas too he's our lefty he's the guy that'll come in after matt merrill and he's a lefty he sits like 91 and he's just got a filthy change up um super good i think you know i think all the guys on our staff could get a job you know they're super talented uh high iq pitchers 
Uh, they just they know how to get out. Yeah, that was that was one of the more interesting, you know, things I've I've seen. I got to watch Ricardo Velez last season, and he was just really really good. He's got a big time breaking ball, and and that that fastball can definitely run up there. Uh, I want to talk about Matt Merrill really quickly. He was four and zero this season in twenty seven innings pitch, forty eight strikeouts, and a one sixty seven ERA. I and mean, he's a younger kid that's only a sophomore in age. Uh, you know, academically fires the ball. I mean, mile per hour wise, there aren't many guys in the NAI running it up there more than he is, especially there aren't many starters in the NAI that are putting up that kind of mid nineties fastball on a consistent basis. Yeah. Matt is, um, he's kind of a freak. He's got a lot of strength and a lot of mobility. He fires the ball. Well, uh, you know, last year, me and him got pretty close towards the end of the fall and, uh, to where we were, you know, uh, throwing together, we'd lift together and do everything like that. And, um, you know, we've kind of just had time to, to feed off of each other. You know, I've kind of, I've kind of helped him with the, the mental side of the game and how to deal with adversity and, uh, everything like that. And, you know, cause that's, that's kind of what I consider my, my like area that I'm strongest in is, is, you know, how I'm able to compartmentalize and just stay strong through any situation. He was homeschooled. And so he hasn't had a ton of experience. I mean, he got some in pro ball, but, you know, I think just being around the staff uh, as a whole has also helped him grow and mature as a pitcher. Yeah. That's one of the things that, that not a lot of people know. That's one of the things that until I got to meet y'all in person, uh, I didn't know either is that he's, he's had experience at pro ball uh, has been deemed eligible to come back into the NAI as we've seen players uh, do before. There's there's current players that have done it as well, and you know it's it's really been interesting to to see him be as incredible as he is because that's one of the questions that I get a lot about you know pitching staffs in the NAI is like, man, this guy's running it up there velo wise. How is he not here or here? And it's just one of those things like there are some incredible pitchers at this level and you have faced some really incredible talent at this level. I think one of the big things for you being so dominant, you know, gives you an opportunity for, for a future. So I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. What's the plan right now? What are you doing in, I guess what is unfortunately in March already the off season. How, how are you staying in shape? I know I called you yesterday and you were throwing a bullpen. Uh, yeah, so you know, uh, weights weights right now are kind of hard to come by, and that's what I I prefer doing. Um, in the meantime, I'm doing a lot of band band work. I'm trying to strengthen my shoulders, um, and uh, a lot is just like sprints, uh, hill training, and then I'm also doing you know bullpens about once a week. Um, later this week, actually, I'm gonna uh, throw to some live batters, hopefully. Uh, we're trying to find a field, and and yeah, hopefully that'll be good. I have one more question for you that I've got. If you can, for the pitcher that's coming up next, the guy that that's going to be the next Colton Williams, you talked about your want and your ability for the mental side of things, your you know your knack for that. What are some of the mental processes that you go? Because one thing I've learned in in all of this is pitchers are the weirdest people on the planet. Uh, what's what's the mentality for you going into every start? And at the same time, how do you help the other pitchers on your team be able to, to be the best player that they can be? Honestly, I think that 
thinking about it too much is one thing that gets a lot of pitchers. Um, you know, they're they're just worried about things, and you know, worry doesn't do anything for you. You can't you can't control what's about to happen. Um, you can control the way that you prepare for the game, and you can control up until the ball leaves your hand. And after that, you know, it's up to the batter and nine guys on the field of what's going to happen. So yeah, for the for the next guy coming in, you know, I would. I would tell them, take care of your body. Um, listen to your body, too. You know, in the fall, don't don't be coming back trying to push it, trying to, to show off how much you can lift when y'all are doing y'all's lifting programs. It's about staying safe, doing what you can do, and being in control of yourself. And, you know, you just kind of don't worry about the outside factors. You just, just manage yourself and keep yourself composed. Colton Williams, our guest here on the show. He's kind of our third co-host today. We're just letting him kind of hang out with us. The only way we could get him to come on the show was if he got to do the intro. So Cody, man, we've had a wild year. It's, it's been up and down uh, and it's been really in a lot of ways, crazy. It's a lot of first for us. We were not expecting to have COVID-19 take our season away and you and I spent all year looking forward to this. And, you know, I was a day away from buying a plane ticket to Lewiston, Idaho, you know, before all of this happened. Um, really, I mean, I was, I was literally making plans to go to Lewiston. Uh, I think one of the things that you and I talk about quite a bit is we were having a great year social media wise. We've grown Instagram. We started Instagram this year. I mean, I got to give you the credit for that. And you don't get the, the credit you deserve in, in a lot of things about the way you handle social media. And I know I'm the guy that does the podcast and, and a little, you know, vocal with it. But I mean, the way that you handle the social media, the way that you're able to grow our platforms, you know, the credit goes to you the originator of NAI ball and everything that you've done to, to get us here. I think, you know, it's, it's been the biggest thing because as much as I want to say, let's try new things like have Colton Williams on with us the whole time, you know, or, you know, just, just different things that, that I want to do. You never stymie me with, with when I want to get creative with it. I think that, uh, a lot of credit goes to you for the way that you have helped grow this platform and, you know, it, it's crazy because one of my visions for us is that one day we'll be getting inducted into the NAI Hall of Fame uh, for really breaking down the barrier and creating this whole new platform for the way that people not just watch NAI baseball, but cover this sport in the way that it is. And the credit goes to you. And I think you don't get enough credit for how the social media is handled and you don't get enough credit for growing the platform and you don't get enough credit for what you do. And I know not everybody out there in the world is going to hundred percent agree with the way that we report on things or agree with everything that we do. But man, I mean, you're, you definitely do an incredible job and I'm sad to see that our season has gotten cut short, you know, because this takes a year away also from, from you and I in something that we love doing. This is my escape. This is where I go to escape the world. NAI baseball has been what keeps me sane. I work in, in television. I work in media sales. And it's one of those things that it is, it is such a grind day in, day out. It's not a happy-go-lucky you know, thing that happens. There's 999 things that go on just like anybody else's job who works in the world. But 
everybody's got to find that escape. And, and this has been my go-to and what I've helped make of it has been a direct correlation of the vision that I'm not even sure if you had in seeing how big an AI ball was going to get as we come to the end of our third season as a podcast. Met so many people. We've gotten to change so many lives, I think, in the way that, that it's covered. We talk about it, or at least I talk about it all the time. This was my major leagues. I, there was nothing for me after. And I knew that the moment I walked into that locker room at Northwood University and I saw that Keaton Parcell was 6'10 and Jason Heflin was Jack and, you know, everybody else was 100 times bigger than the 6'1 Mexican kid from McAllen, Texas. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that we can give that kid his 15 minutes of fame. We can give that kid his recognition that he deserves because of the way that he's played baseball. We have a relationship with Colton Williams and Zach Cornell and Chris Wall and all of these guys around the nation. Uh, I talked to Chris Munoz over at, who was at OCU, who I hated in college. I hated him in college because he was so good at Oklahoma city and we would play against him every year. But because we're both NAI guys, we've created this, this, you know, bond. And it's something that it's just, I feel like we help tie it all together. And so this is my escape and I'm grateful to you for bringing me into that. And so with that, I'll stop rambling now and I'll give you an opportunity to talk to the masses at home. And then we'll even give Colton a chance to, to say his piece, but really, you know, just thank you to all of our fans. Thank you to everybody who listens in on a weekly basis I mean, we're so grateful for y'all because all of this does not happen unless you continue to support the cause and support our journey. And we felt that this was needed. This was a needed community. And I'll never forget showing our first episode to somebody I worked with when I worked in radio and being told you're playing to a niche audience. It will never grow. And here we are in year number three of our show. We've been in baseball America We've been at ABCA talking to more coaches in a single day than ever before. We've covered the nation. We've gone to Lewiston. We're only going to get bigger. We're only going to get better, but it does not happen unless you continue to support Cody and I the way that you always have with a lot of love. And, and we just are so thankful to each and every one of y'all who listens, downloads, subscribes, talks in AI baseball, and, and just, you know, looks out for everything going on around the nation. I mean, Cody, you know, I know you feel a lot of the same way. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate the compliment too. I mean, that really means a lot. I, you know, I started NAI ball in 2017 after watching the 2016 NAI World Series. And I was talking about it on Twitter and I realized there was like no discussion. Like there was literally nothing, man. There was no discussion on NAI baseball. So I really love the discussion it creates around the country. Uh, I love that we have a relationship with some of the student athletes. And the best decision I've ever made, and I've told this to everyone, is in 2018, I asked you to join in the eyeball. And that was 100% the best decision we could have ever made. Uh, you 100% are more than just a podcast guy. I tell you that all the time. Uh, you're a huge social media presence for us, too. You watch in the eye baseball every single weekend. You watch midweeks. You mean you talk literally every day throughout the season. And we just talk about in the eye baseball. And that's just because we love it. Really disappointed the season has been canceled. I was looking forward to going to Lewiston. I've been to Lewiston the last two years. It's been an incredible vacation for, I call it a vacation, man, because uh, I was gone 14 days in 2018, 13 days in 2019. 
And uh, it's just incredible to see different parts of the country. I'm a guy from Georgia, man. And I'm driving through places like Montana or I'm maybe to Washington. It's just incredible to see these places in the country that have never been. And then have the best teams in the country literally play in one part, man. You get to see science and arts in Southeastern and Tennessee Wesleyan. Like that to me is as good as it gets. Like people don't understand how much I love this game. Like I love, I am there for the first pitch. I've been to both openers and I'm there for the last pitch. I remember, I'll never forget talking. They were like, were you staying the whole time? Like, what do you mean I'm staying the whole time? Of course I'm staying the whole time. Of course I'm going to watch the entire tournament, man. Like I put months into this. So I, I just love NEI baseball and my heart breaks for all the student athletes. Cause I think it sucks, man. Your season ended. I think it sucks. We don't get to crown a champion this year. We don't get to give out all Americans this year. I just think it's so disappointing because no team will ever be the same. Like no matter what, kids are going to move on. People are going to move on. Things are going to happen. Uh, it's just never going to be the same. It is what it is. And uh, I just, I love NEI baseball and I'm really appreciative of everyone out there that supports us, supports Robbie. And I, you know, I'm just really appreciative of it. I really love this game. Colton, man, really quickly, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance here to, to just kind of express your thoughts and, uh, you've been a guy at, at this level that's done some incredible things and, and you've got to meet some great people. So really quickly, if you've got anything to share with the folks at home, by all means, feel free, go ahead. Uh, yeah, first off, uh, thanks to you guys, you know, the exposure that you've gotten me and several other guys, you know, a bunch of other guys in the NAI. It's, it's great to see, you know, y'all work really hard and y'all y'all don't get the respect or the, or well, I, I say that y'all don't get the pay that y'all deserve. Um, secondly, I'd like to thank Coach Ross. Uh, he took a chance on a cookie thief. Um, I think it worked out for both of us. Um, and my family, uh, mom and dad, thank you for all the support I get from y'all. Uh, and my girlfriend, Taylor. Uh, we've been together for six years, and she's stuck through everything, thick and thin. So I love you, babe. Thanks, guys. And before we sign off for the year, for the guy that's not coming back, for the guy who has played his final inning without really knowing it. We invite you to come back and be part of our family here at NAI ball. Part of what is going to make us great is an alumni base being able to bond over the fact that you and I have gone through the same grind. It's not the same grind. It's not the same individual aspects, but you and I know the grind of being an NAI baseball player and the long bus trips, and the low meal money, and not having the greatest facilities, but playing in some of the greatest battles you've ever done, and being able to be a second chance guy fighting for that last opportunity, being able to be the bounce back that's being given that opportunity to make something of himself, being able to be that guy who's just trying to further his career for another inning because he just loves the game that much. For those of you who are ready to settle down, start in the workforce, graduate, move on, start a family, whatever it is, we invite you as always to come back, be part of our family, listen to NAI Ball, interact with us. So for Colton Williams, thank you for joining us, the reigning NAI Baseball Pitcher of the Year. For all of your news, stats, scores, and information, as always, at NAI Ball on Twitter for Mr. Cody Butler, at NAI Ball on Instagram for everything else you might need. We're not done putting up content for myself, the host of the NAI Ball podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063. As always, I invite you 
to message me. I invite you to talk NAI baseball with me, and we invite you to connect with us as life moves on, as we go into the offseason, prepare for what will hopefully be the draft, and get ready for the next steps. Until next time, we hope you have a great day and an even better tomorrow. This has been Season 3 of the NAI Ball Podcast.